1: Welcome to Locked on Bucks, I'm Eric Name, that is Frank Madden, and this is the second part of our Over Under series, one series that we love to do each and every year. And we're going to keep it rolling today. Obviously, we did Janice and Chris in the first part of this, and you can catch that from last week. Uh, That was on Friday. Um, So if you missed any of that, you can catch that. Um, But we're going to keep it rolling as we take a look at some of the Uh, secondary players some of the role players and also we take a look at uh, some of the team stats as well so we are going to hop into that right now and we are going to start with Thon Maker not the rookie of the year last year but certainly a rookie that was insanely intriguing um, to anyone that watched the Milwaukee Bucks and um, I would say surprising that he he played as well as he did last season and We're going to go with, this is one, as we go into the role players, I think we move more towards minutes played kind of things because that is normally a signifier of role and how big a role that player may have and how important that player may be. So with Thon Maker, um, we are going to go with... 24 as the number for minutes per game this year for Thon Maker. Last year, Maker appeared in 57 games and played 9.9 minutes. So that would be, uh, I mean, that'd be doubling up and a little bit more to get Thon to 24 minutes per game. Frank over under 24.
0: Yeah. This one we obviously pick because it represents exactly half of one game and the, the question is, you know, how does the minute breakdown go between Greg Monroe and Thon Maker? And let's be honest, we probably need to throw John Henson into this somehow because one way or another, Jason Kidd will <laughs> talk about not playing three centers and then he'll give John Henson random minutes um, at the other two's expense at some point. So um, as you mentioned, Thon, I feel like people probably don't realize how little Thon played last year. Yep. Um, you know, even after the All-Star break, right? He started 27 games out of 27. He averaged just under 13 minutes per game. So yeah. he played very little even after he had been uh, elevated to the starting lineup. As a starter, um, his average minutes per game was 13.7. Um, but I think I think I, whenever I think about Thawne, whether it's the playoff series, whether it's the regular season, I think everybody sort of overstates exactly how much he played and how much he scored and how much he just did in general. Yep. Um, and so that obviously you want to see big growth in all those things. I'm gonna say under on the minutes per game. I think, you know, again, coming from such a low base last year, keep in mind he played five hundred sixty two minutes, which is remarkably few for a guy who obviously felt like he played a big role last season. You know, Rashad Vaughn for reference played a little over a thousand as a rookie. And <laughs> he was yeah one of the worst, probably the worst player in the NBA is Rookie. So yeah. um, it's, it's kind of interesting just how little he played last year. So I'm going to say slightly under 24 minutes per game in part, because again, I think they want to keep him fresh. They want to keep him energetic playing him fewer minutes probably helps. So that way they probably want to be more sort of um, deliberate in how they ramp up his minutes over time. And, just as importantly, they have Greg Monroe, who is also very good. And not that they want to play Greg Monroe, you know, 28 minutes per game, which I think what was what he played two years ago. I think, what, what was he at last year? Like 22 minutes per game, something on that order. Um, I, I think, you know, Monroe may also fall just shy of 24. You'll probably see Penson randomly get some minutes. Um, and then the other thing, too, is, I mean, we always talk about it. Giannis at center. I want to see more of it this year. Yep. I think there's a good reason to do it at times. You know, Granted, Thon defensively, I think, gives you a lot of flexibility where maybe you don't have to go um, as small with Giannis because Thon can shoot threes and he can defend smalls and do a lot of things that would typically will make you want to play smaller, like with putting Giannis at center. But I think putting Giannis at center is still worthwhile, worth a shot. Um, so I think with all those things, I'd say Thon still goes a little under 24 minutes a game. I'd probably guess maybe, mm, I don't know, 21 or 22, something like that. The under feels
1: safe here. Um, that that feels to me like the logical outcome and I, I do agree that the perception of thon is maybe a little bit greater than what thon's actual contribution was last season and i, I really thought it was even more exaggerate i thought like people really thought thon was gonna have a great season um this year and maybe break out a little bit and I decided the other week to run a poll on uh, how many points per game you think Thonmaker will average this season, Um, and I was actually surprised how low expectations were. Um, I made the options 8 or fewer, 8.1 to 10, 10 10.1 to 12, 12 12.1 or more, and 48% of people said 8.1 to 10, and twenty six said eight or twenty six percent said eight or fewer. So that's a that's a good majority that thinks he'll score fewer than ten points per game this year. Uh, and I think that I mean he scored four points per game uh, last season. So I, I think maybe that also speaks to him not being like the strongest offensive guy, a guy that you're going to really lean on. But I was surprised that people were. As measured in their responses, as they were, um, I, I thought a lot of people would say, "Oh yeah, over ten points per game this year." Um, so maybe there's part of me that thinks people are expecting a, a huge season from Thon, a bunch of minutes, and really mopping up a bunch of the, the time at center. Um, but also, I think there's there's part of me that maybe this is just the hopeful side of me that actually thinks people um, are being a little bit more cautious, a little bit more realistic with Thon. Um, I think the under would be the spot to go here for 24 minutes per game. Like you said, Henson's going to get into the rotation a little bit. Uh, They've been experimenting with DJ Wilson at the five during the preseason. Again, it's just preseason, doesn't matter, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I I think maybe that's a guy that – If you want to try to spread the floor and do Giannis at nominal center, that would be a pairing, and that may be a way to get DJ Wilson on the floor. Um, So I think there's enough, certainly with Greg Monroe, Monroe should take a bunch of those minutes but with the other people around I think there's enough people that can take minutes from Thon to keep him under 24 uh this upcoming season
0: yeah I think I think that's fair and uh, again I, m- maybe it's just we've like brainwashed people into having little expectations of Thon which I think is probably healthier <laughs> than, yes um, than than people who kind of maybe have you know visions of superstardom which again I hope that that comes true, but I, you know, just from what we've seen, I, I just I'm not there yet. So, anyway, that's it for Thon. What do we have next? Up next,
1: we have, I think one of the biggest things this season was the green light that Tony Snell had from beyond the arc. Uh, the Bucks let him shoot it, and he rewarded them for it. He shot forty point six percent from the three point line uh, this last season. That was a career best for Tony Snell. Um, he's been solid from three throughout his career um 32 37 and 36 percent excuse me for the bulls uh so this was a jump but i wouldn't say he went from a total non-shooter to lights out shooter it, it, it was a bump but maybe not uh, a overnight transformation or something like that. So, um let's go with 40% as the over under on uh, Tony Snell's three point percentage this season.
0: I'll take the under as you said. He, you know, it's not like he was a 33% shooter before this or anything like that. Um he's shot at least in the ballpark 37 and 38% in previous years, so um I think it's not a fluke per se. Um But I hope he shoots more. You know, I think that's something we've talked about. That's the coaching staff talk about. Giannis has talked about, you know, wanting Tony to shoot the shot when he has it. Um, I think there was, I forget where I saw it, but I think during the scrimmage maybe there was, um, someone reported something where, you know, Giannis, um, he passed it to Tony. Tony faked it, took a dribble in, hit a jump shot. And yeah. Giannis kind of like told him, you know, not like brow beating him or something, but just like take the, fir- just take the first shot, you know? Yeah. Um, so I hope he shoots more threes, kind of similar story with, with all these guys. Basically you want them to shoot more threes. Bucks were top 10, three point percentage team. But again, towards the bottom of the league in terms of attempts which you know again shoot more threes to be to be fair um, though
1: they were top 5 in increase in three point attempts like percentage
0: right. like the percent increase right. so huge jump huge, a huge jump from the year
1: before yeah. but they're still so far behind
0: Yeah, so I'll say slightly under, um, but again, I don't think Tony's going to shoot poorly. And encouraging, I mean, he started slowly. I think a lot of people may forget. I think he was like 33% or something like that in the first month or two of the season last year. And then he was – there was definitely a stretch, I remember, in the second half where it was like, you know, there was a stat that he was leading the league since January 1 or something like that in terms of three-point percentage. So, um, you know, certainly you love the way he finished the season. He finished it strong, um, you know after the all-star break he shot 41.5 percent from three so that was nice to see um so you know again we'll see kind of how it evolves over time but um i'll take a slight under but uh i'm still expecting good things from him
1: yeah looking at tony snow 52 percent from three in the month of january
0: and april 52 percent
1: and 52 52%, percent 52%. <laughs> in april and 48 percent in february um and that like the attempt numbers weren't small there either, like fifty threes, forty three threes, and twenty one threes for those couple of months. So that's on a, a hundred plus three pointer times, flirting with fifty percent from three. So those were just huge, huge numbers uh, for Tony in that second half. So forty oh, percent, I, I think. I think Chris coming back should help out a little bit um, in the fact that there should just be another. Creator, uh, another guy that can get him open shots, and Tony doesn't really have to focus on doing a whole lot other than catching and shooting from the three point line. Um, man, there's part of me that worries that that three percent increase from about 37 percent down or up to forty percent is not real, um, and maybe he comes back down to earth a little bit. But I mean, he really shot the ball well, and I just I think there's a lot to like about his shot, high arch, good backspin. Like there's there's a lot I like about it. Um, I think in the past I've told Alex Boder it's one of the more enjoyable jump shots I watch in the league. Um, just because it seems like the ball hangs in the air forever, um, and you can really get some of that build up from the crowd. Is they can go crazy on a three. Um, so I'll take the over forty percent on Tony Snell from the three point line uh let's move to some more individual ones i think the rookies are interesting spots uh because this bucks team kind of has to figure out what their roles are this season how guys fit in um who plays at certain times and I, i guess last year Michael Beasley had a, I don't want to say a largely significant role, but not an insignificant role. He played 935 minutes for the Bucks last year, um, so I want to slot DJ Wilson into that role um, for minutes to get him a thousand plus or so. So I'm going to put the over under on minutes for dj wilson at one thousand or excuse me at 935 that was how many beasley had 935 over under frank
0: yeah i mean he benefits from the fact that when you look at the, the fourth spot really it's it's Giannis who you know can play multiple positions we talked about in the previous pod him also potentially seeing some minutes at the five but you know Giannis obviously came to the league as more of a three and i'm sure we'll see some minutes with Giannis at the three as well and being sort of interchangeable with different different guys so um other than Mirza Atalevich, nobody else was really a four. Um, other than Giannis and Mirza. so certainly, especially if Mirza is hurt or you know just isn't playing well, you could certainly see DJ Wilson getting a fair amount of run. I don't think you're going to see DJ Wilson at the three much. Just, uh, just I mean, I think he could probably defend some threes, but um, but I don't know. Well, I guess we'll have to see. So, um, man, 900 minutes for, for context. I think that was what Beasley played like 50 some games and averaged 17 minutes per game, right? Um,
1: yep, 56 games 16 and a half
0: yeah i could see i could see dj playing 50 60 games um i just don't think when he plays he's going to play quite that big of a role um I, I just don't know if i've seen enough from him um so far and I, you know he he kind of just screams you know role player to me long term as well um but i think being a rookie's tough um I, I, i'll guess that he probably doesn't quite get up to that up to that mark even though as I said Rashad Vaughn played a thousand as a rookie and he was awful so you never you never know um injuries play a big role but eh, I'll take the slide under
1: there oh man trying to figure out the roles is tough because you look at Mirza 1133 last year John Henson sopped up 1123 um you mentioned Rashad Vaughn 458 Miles Plumley 310 Spencer Hawes 171 so going through some of those like those are numbers for bigish type guys with Miles Plumley, Spencer Hawes, and John Henson supping up over fifteen hundred minutes last year. Um, I would think, obviously, Thon's going to slide into most of those. But if we're going to go under on Thon, there's got to be some some other numbers that, or there's got to be some other minutes for someone else. Um, and I, I just. Playoff
0: John Henson? You don't think it's going to be playoff
1: John Henson? Come on, man. And I don't think it's going to be preseason John Henson either. Um, So I think I'm going to take the over. Um, I think the things that could stop it from happening would be Mirza hits a bunch of shots and is kind of the guy that... uh, we saw in his last year in Phoenix. I think that would be one reason. Um, if Thon can really take on a heavy minutes load, I think that's another reason. Um, but there should be some minutes there, um, certainly until Jabari Parker returns. Um, and obviously that would be another reason why you might take the under as well, because maybe once Jabari comes back, his role doesn't make quite as much sense. Um i'm gonna i'm really conflicted i'll take the over on 935 um but i don't feel particularly good about it um i I think that's gonna be pretty close for for what dj wilson is but there's plenty of reasons why he would not get there uh let's move on to the other rookie sterling brown second rounder a guy that obviously a ton of draft nicks liked a, a pick that we enjoyed quite a bit when it happened Unfortunately, I'm just not quite sure what his minute load could be. Rashad Vaughn played four hundred and fifty-eight minutes last year, and that's the number we're gonna set for Sterling Browns over under. Does he have over or under four hundred fifty-eight minutes next season, Frank?
0: I, I will take the over on this. Um you know, the complicated part is you know, in terms of like headwinds and tailwinds on this number um jason terry mentioned coming back he played what 13 was it 1300 minutes some large much larger number of minutes than you would expect
1: 1365
0: yeah so i mean i think jet will play fewer minutes this year but um i think it is interesting you know we couch it as as head to head brown versus vaughn um the other thing playing into this and we probably should have mentioned this um you know for the other thing in just terms of taking over beasley's minutes since beasley played a lot of three last year um gerald green also could be in this if you know, By the time we air this podcast, Daryl Green may have been waived. So yeah. we'll see then in that case maybe Brandon Rush uh, is the guy I should mention. But um, one of those guys that you expect them to keep with the last roster spot unless they surprise and, and end up keeping uh, Gary Payton the second. Um, one of those guys is also going to eat into some of those Beasley minutes. Um, so I'll say over on the Sterling Brown number. Maybe the question – so I'll I'll kick it to you. But then I think my follow-up question to you is – do you think what is the chance? I mean, because I think we talked about this before. Like, what do you think is the chance that Sterling Brown plays more than um, than uh, DJ Wilson? Because this is something we've seen over the course of our Bucks lives um, more than once. Last year being kind of the most obvious time, but is situations where a second round pick plays more than a first round pick.
1: Whew, that one's tough. Um, the The Bucks wing positions. Are just sort of fascinating to me because you have Snell that's going to play 30 minutes a game, Chris that's probably going to play 34? ish minutes a game um he, he was averaging 30.7 last season in the 29 games that he played so i feel like 34 ish for chris is about right um so that's a significant portion of those minutes that's that's two thirds yeah that's two 64 out of
0: 96 minutes at the two and the
1: three yep so so you ready have just 32 minutes to play with at the two and the three and then jet's gonna get some of those um i don't know if he's going to get um, as many as he did last year, I don't know if he's going to get 18.4 a game. I don't know if he's going to get to <laughs> 13.65 in 74 game appearances. So I don't think he gets to that number. So there's some minutes there. Um, but then at the same time, you have Brogdon stepping up. Does that mean to get Delly on the floor more? You move Delly and he takes some of the minutes at the 2 as well. Um, How does Rashad Vaughn fit into the equation? Um, Man, it's... I I think there's opportunity there, um, but I just don't... I guess for both of them, uh, there's some opportunity for some bench guy to come out and take one of those spots. But at the same time, Jason Kidd is very much... been a guy that plays the hot hand that gives probably two guys at each position about four minutes a run in the first half and if you do well with those four minutes then you probably swallow you probably cannibalize the other guys minutes and you get eight minutes in the second half like that's kind of how he's worked um with his rotations so maybe one of those guys just takes it and makes Mirza Toledovich totally irrelevant. Um but I just don't see it. So I'm gonna take the over for Sterling Brown on four and fifty eight because I think he's gonna get chances, but I will take the under on him having more minutes than DJ Wilson.
0: Okay. And for the record, um I I don't wanna see those those deli- Brogdon minutes this year. I I just think,
1: well, you're probably
0: going to. Yeah, I know. But I, th- this is one of those things that, you know, kind of, I think, Putting Deli in at the two is like you know Jason Kidd's Binky or something like he'll yeah. you know it's like his little blanket or whatever safety net whatever, um, and I, I don't I don't have the numbers offhand. I mean I don't think there was anything in the data last year that suggested that really helped particularly help the Bucks. And I think especially late in games, I understand the idea of trying to have maybe like a second you know a third ball handler if you will or fourth ball handler if you include both Chris and Giannis and Brockton in that. Um, but let's be honest, I mean if we're talking about having Middleton and Giannis and Brogdon on the court like Della Vadova being able to vaguely run a pick and roll which to be honest teams are going to try to force him into a floater I don't really think that's necessarily adding a lot especially because he's not a quick trigger jump shooter and he's not as versatile defender as Tony so I want Tony to start getting some of those crunch time minutes which he didn't really get last year so um anyway somehow I got to that point after talking about Sterling Brown but who else what is next on our list after the rookies
1: all right let's move to some team things um as we move to team things i think uh, there's been articles written about it uh we've talked about a bunch uh we brought it up uh, on our last podcast with uh our fantastic original uh Bucks blogger friends, Steve and Jeremy. We talked about the Bucks defense and how many threes they've given up. I know someone at uh, Nylon Calculus wrote today, or maybe it was yesterday, um, or maybe last week. I don't know. At some point, um, I saw it in my timeline that uh, the Bucks need to give up fewer corner threes and they need to find a way to, I guess, clean everything up and not allow so many attempts at the rim and so many threes. And I guess all of that comes down to the Bucks defense, and where it'll be at the end of the season. So, Frank, I ask you, in defensive rating, and I don't care, do you want to clarify NBA.com or Basketball Reference? I, they, they do differ a little bit, but Bucks defense.
0: But, yeah, but they should be refusing, yeah.
1: Bucks defense, 10th overall in defensive rating. Are you going to take the over or the under?
0: I i have said gone on record and said, there is not a good reason for the bucks to be worse than 10th defensively in the nba you have Giannis adekumbo one of the most versatile and impactful defenders in the league running around disrupting things all over the place you've got chris middleton and tony snell a couple of very versatile defenders tony being able to defend smaller guys very well chris being a great team defender who can you know get into passing lanes, you know, also can defend multiple positions. Um, You've got Brogdon and Della who are both, I would say, average at least to above average point guard defenders um, and can, again, also defend multiple positions. And you have Thawne Maker who can, again, switch out on screens, um, do weird things, challenge on the perimeter. I mean, just, you know, whatever. Bottom line, you, you have basically one guy in your regular rotation that you could argue is a subpar defender and that's greg monroe and oh by the way he was actually pretty solid last year so um there's nothing in the personnel that would say this team can't be a very good defense um i think you you know you alluded to it uh when espn did their big who can beat the warriors rankings which i thought was kind of confusing i'm still like not sure good. what that really means they had the bucks like as the sixth most likely to beat the warriors and a lot of people were asking me like does that mean they're the sixth best team in the league? And I don't think that's what that was. None implied, of none
1: of that article made sense. Also, yeah. the trade suggestions yeah, were trade beyond. Suggests, I don't bad. Know, it was
0: it was weird. But um, the they do they did have an allusion to the Bucks projecting as a top ten offense and defense. And I think Kevin Arnovitz was the citation on that. And Kevin Arnovitz is super smart and he's great. Um, but I think and I think so. What I, my understanding is, I think it was based on some type of. Uh, one of Kevin Pelton's projections based on um, RPM, basically like mm-hmm. taking individual RPMs and figuring out like team-wise what that where that gets you. Um, so, I, I, yeah, we'll see if that actually happens. But again, I think the bottom line is I think they should be a good defense, but I still have – I don't just don't have confidence in the scheme at this point to expect them to be that good. And I don't think they're going to be bad, but – I feel a lot better projecting them in the 10 to 15 range than in the top 10 range, I guess. So it pains me to say, I'm going to take the under, I hope I'm wrong. Um, You know, again, some of the numbers, uh, you know, tons of corner threes. They did cut down on that as a season one. We'll get into that in a second. Um, But even after Chris Middleton came back, they were average. They were middle of the pack 15th, I think in defensive rating after Middleton returned. So you can't just say like, Oh, well you get rid of Jabari Parker. So now you're good defensively. I mean, that, that isn't what happened. Um, and again, they won a bunch of games, but they didn't score people by very much. So, um, so I'll take, I guess, the worse, the better or worse. I'll take the worse. But um, again, I think if there's any stat that might explain why Jason's kid's career, or not career, but his job with the Milwaukee Bucks could be in question at the end of the season, it would be this one if he um, not just... You know outside the top 10 but if they are clearly below average defensively i think that will raise a lot of questions at the end of the season so we'll see
1: so i guess here's one thing i've been trying to figure out frank um so i think you've tweeted out a couple of times about how good the foursome of thon Giannis, yes, that's true. That Malcolm true. and Chris Middleton were last year, right? Like once they came back, they were just fantastic defensively. Top five-ish rate, right? I think it was around. I'm not 100% on that.
0: Well, I mean, I think they were They were both either with Delvadova or Brogdon. Those lineups were under 100 points per 100 allowed, which – um, I think if you put that in the league, I mean, yeah, you'd be talking about like either the best defense I mean, and again, this is like one of those things, right? Like the best teams are gonna have defenses lineups you can cherry pick where you'd say, Well, that'd be the best defense Correct. in the league. So you wanna be careful, right? Like you know, bench units, bad defenders, There's every team is going to have, you know, a range here. But certainly that group, which is your primary starting group, that's your most popular lineup, the fact that they were great defensively together, which was basically in the second half, um, that was really encouraging and also tells you that it was the bench, you know, as I mentioned, the overall they were still about average. So the bench was bad. So um, hopefully you can get that elite defense from the starters. Hopefully that's real and hopefully the bench can can be better than it was. But anyway, yes, very good point to bring up.
1: So, so that was kind of where yeah. I struck. I've just struggled with a bunch of stuff with thinking about this defense and projecting to forward, because those numbers would help me understand why someone like Kevin Pelton would say, Oh, they are projected to be a top 10 defense. Okay. Their starters are, or at least their starting unit, their most popular units were very good defensively last year. So that, that helps me make sense of that. But then at the same time, they were as good as they were and the defense was still average, so that must mean there, there's something seriously wrong when those those four or five guys aren't on the floor together, um, which uh, I think would would make a lot of sense, and uh, especially with the way that the Bucks' scheme is. Okay, I, I think I could understand why. Thon and Middleton and Brogdon and Giannis and Snell all work well together defensively, and why they may be able to cut down on some of those threes and why they may be able to make uh, shots at the rim more difficult. I can understand all of that, but it's obvious that you need a certain type of personnel to do that, and it's unlikely that you're going to be able to keep that personnel on the floor for 48 minutes. And then I think. They they can cover up for the systemic issues when they're on the floor, and maybe they can even thrive in that system. But when those other guys that don't fit it quite as well come in, well, then the corner threes start to come down. the The rim gets a lot easier to get to. Those shooting percentages go up. Like it, it the the defense has just been a mess. Um, I, I don't know. You don't have to look all that all that hard for a preview that will tell you that the defense gives up too many corner threes and it's too easy to get shots at the rim. Um, I think just about anyone would write that. Zach Lowe wrote about it last week. Uh, Obviously I mentioned that Nylon and calculus piece that talked about it. We've talked about it. It exists. And uh, I think it's really tough for me to think that that unit can play well enough and long enough to push the Bucks into being a top 10 defense this year. Uh, I, I just don't see it. Um, I, I think teams know the scheme way too well at this point. They know how to pick it apart. They know how to get the shots that they want. They know how to make th- things easy on themselves. So um, I'm going to take again... I'm always confused if I should go over or under here, um, but I guess I would go over the tenth defense and say that they're going to be somewhere between 11th and 30th. Um,
0: <laughs> so, uh, if you if you had to pick one number, what would you pick? Whew. I would like I would pick 13th because I think I think they have enough person. Their personnel is so good. Agreed. For this system, that they they got to be it's got to be at least and again i'm not saying this is that is like the best they can do but i'm saying they can overcome the issues with the scheme and keep in mind too i mean the league continue i mean i think the league's average in terms of three pointers per per game i think that's only going to go up this year further and that is that's not good for the bucks because that yeah. again like the bucks the more threes teams want to shoot the worse it is for the bucks but um but i don't know i'll, I'll play an optimist from a personnel standpoint and say that they'll still be better than average but again i'm still i'm not thrilled with that i think they can be even better
1: yeah i think 14 it would be the number i would have said um if you would have given me the chance to pick just one number um middle of the pack feels about right for all the all the strengths that that one specific i should say one specific those four to six guys can have um i think the rest of the squad can really drag you down. Um, but yeah, this is... As we've mentioned a number of times, if it doesn't work this year, well, it's never going to work. And there's no excuses. And someone has to be held accountable and that person should be Jason Kidd. So um, we, we will see exactly what happens there. Let's move to one related to the defense. Uh, eight corner threes per 100. Um, we... Stole this, admittedly, from our friend All the Bucks. You can follow him at All the Bucks. Um, looking at their post All Star break numbers, they gave up 3.4 left corner threes per 100 and. right corner threes per 100 that would be below eight um before the all-star break they were giving up uh right around 10 um (laughs) so uh, obviously uh that eight number isn't really great like that's not going to be a, a fantastic number to give up per game but it would be helpful um, so I'll, I'll put the over under at eight, Frank.
0: Yeah. And for further context, so for the season, the Bucks averaged 8.5 corner threes allowed per game. That was the worst in the league. The Hawks were the second worst. They allowed eight even. Um, and again, I mean, the Hawks were a very good defense, right? Like yep. they figured out how to make it work. Um, and part of it was they were notably better in terms of reducing the number of shots at the rim. So the Bucks allowed 29 shots per game at the rim. 61% shooting. The Hawks allowed just 25 shots at the rim, 58% shooting. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of those things, like, if if the whole point of this swarming and collapsing defense doesn't actually reduce the number of shots you allow at the rim and doesn't force turnovers, it's the other obvious big one, then why are you doing it, right? Yep. Like, that. the whole point is if you're gonna, you know, decide to consciously give up, you know, or allow ball movement to give up threes, um, you want to at least cut down on, on the restricted sh- area shots. And the Bucks were, I believe, John Schumann had a, a good rundown on this the other day that I tweeted out. Um, the Bucks were last in, you know, combination of uh, stuff at the rim and from two-point range. So um, certainly a lot of area. Not great, period. Bob. I mean, not great, Bob. Um, I'm going to say the under on here just because, again, it's such a high number. I mean, we're saying, will they be, you know, last year they would have been worse, <laughs> still the second worst team at eight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so I'll say under eight, um, and especially, um, as you mentioned, all the Bucs did tweet out that after the All-Star break, they only allowed 6.7 from the corner. Worth noting, though, as well, um, you know, I mentioned they were only an average defense. um, And they uh, they actually were very lucky in the sense that they cut down on the number of corner threes they allowed, just 6.7, which is... Okay, um, to give you a sense, I mean the Jazz were the best in the league. They only allowed four point six, um, which is just tremendous. Um, but the Bucks got lucky as well. Team shot thirty three point seven percent on left corner threes, thirty seven percent from on right corner threes. That's below average. Certainly, the left corner is well below average. So teams shot fewer corner threes and they shot them pretty poorly versus uh, first half of the season. Forty four percent from the left corner, thirty eight percent from the right corner. A, um, a reminder: three
1: point defense. Or I should say three point shooting percentage defensively is total luck. Like everyone, just remember that, put that in your head. It is luck. Like you can control attempts, you cannot control percentage.
0: Yeah. And so I, I think um <laughs> I, I think they're gonna be under that. Um and again, if they were way over that, then that would be a reason to not even think they're gonna be, you know, thirteenth or whatever I just said, <laughs> it's their projected defensive rating. Um but uh, but yeah, so I'll I'll say under. Um, but again, that's such a high number um, that uh, that I don't know if it necessarily says that much.
1: Yeah, I would. I'll say the under because I think they're going to be where I said they were going to be averageish defensively, and I think if they're going to do that. The most obvious place to to cut down to make some improvement would be on the number of corner threes allowed. So I will take the under there as well, Frank, for uh, many of the same reasons that you outlined. And um, just because... If I'm going to predict them uh, to be as good, and again, just 14th was kind of where I was sitting defensively, like for them to be that good defensively um, and for them to win as many games as I'll predict that they're going to win. I think you're going to have to see them make an improvement in that respect, um, and, and we'll see if they do that. But I guess if I, all those other predictions I'm going to make are true, I think that one would certainly be true as well. So I will take the
0: under on eight corner threes allowed per 100 possessions. And and one thing to add, if you want to read more about that, um, Max Shamansky wrote. We uh, referenced it, the uh, article at Nylon Calculus that kind of dove, dug into those numbers a little bit more. So um, Max is on Twitter at. Uh, S-C-H-I-MAX. So you can check him out there, and he's got a link to that.
1: All right. Let's go to some other team ones. Uh, last year, home wins. The Bucks had... Actually, this one you have, so you're going to lay it out for me.
0: Yeah, so again, I don't think about... Home records that much, to be honest. But one thing that is kind of a random stat is obviously the Bucks' fortunes. The last three years have kind of gone up and down a fair bit. But weirdly, they've won 23 games at home each of the last three seasons, and you know the the, the variance has really been on the road in terms of um, you know they they were um, they won 19 games last year on the road. The year before, they only won 10 games on the road. Year before that, 18. Um, but I, what I thought was interesting was looking at the East standings. Basically, the, all the teams that the Bucs are chasing for one of the top four spots, one between 28 and 31 games at home. Um, a lot of those teams were similar to the Bucs, who were 19 and 22 on the road, um, in terms of those teams' r- records on the road. So the Bucks are pretty competitive with all those good teams those teams they're chasing um on the road or at least they were last year and the weird part is you know for whatever reason the bucks just haven't been as good at home so um 28 you know i think again if you want the bucks to kind of take that next leap into a team that's going to win high 40s or more um i think an obvious thing to do is protect your house um and and actually you know translate um, the Bradley Center into a home court advantage, obviously the last year of the BMO Harris Bradley Center this year. Um, so, yeah, 28 games. Um, you know, again, if you want to talk about how the Bucks go from 42 wins to their over-under of 47 and a half, well, adding five wins at home would be an obvious way to do it. Um, so I'll put it to you. I mean, do the Bucks kind of finally break the out of the 23-game uh, paralysis of the last few years? Or, uh, I, I don't know, I mean, we're, we're talking about a pretty big jump here.
1: Man, that's really. I mean, again, throughout all of this, I, I predict the over/under uh, on wins for the game or for the season. We'll do that later. Um, there's a number of positive predictions I make, so I almost think I have to. I, I think I would have to go uh, over on 23 home wins because that's that's kind of how it's going to have to be done. They're going to have to win some home games. They're going to have to be better at home and. They're just going to have to kind of, you know, just just take care of business. As cliched and silly as that sounds, they have to be better at home. And I'm going to make all those other predictions, so this is going to be another part of it. I think they're going to do better, so I will take uh, over 23 home wins for the Bucks this season. How about you?
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. 28 is my
1: over-under, dude. Oh, I thought you said 23 because that was what the number was the last
0: three years. Um no, I'm 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 setting high goals, man. Twenty can the Bucks get to 28? And this might might make it easy. Well, I don't know. 23, I think was an easy over, but is 28 too high? I guess is the question.
1: Oh man, um, I think. Ugh, I'll take the under. I don't feel all that confident. Um, again, dang, that's gonna make getting to 47 and a half really difficult if I take the under. Um, Man, that's tough. I'll I'll stay with the under. Um, I don't feel all that confident that they can turn the the Bradley Center into the place people don't want to play this upcoming season. So I will go under.
0: Yeah, I'll do as well. Um, especially because I'm picking 45, 46 wins. I think I actually wouldn't be that unhappy with maintaining the same number of road wins as a year ago for the reason I mentioned. That again, it's hard to be over 500 on the road. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I'll say home. Uh, maybe a shade under 20, 28.
1: All right. Uh, let's move to... This one could be quick. This was one I just threw in before. Last year, the Bucks were 15-15 and 15 against the Western Conference. So... 500 in their 30 games against the Western Conference. Obviously, we always talk about the imbalance in the conferences and how much better the Western conferences than the Eastern Conference. So, 14 and a half Western Conference wins this season. Frank, where are you going?
0: You know, I was trying to think about this. So, there are a few different ways you can think about this, I guess. But um, I was trying to think about it from the perspective of the changes in the West. So, um, they, you know, the, the big teams that, that obviously made changes were Oklahoma City certainly seemed to get better um the rockets probably got better um although i don't again they were great last year too um both of those teams lost uh when they visited the bradley center a year ago um so just kind of thinking around the margins i guess like in terms of you know everybody talks about the west being so much better than the east and certainly the bucks rang up a, a number of those wins late last year on that west road road trip um but are they going to lose a bunch more games on the west this year than a year ago i mean they lost both their games uh, against the Golden State Warriors. Um, you know, they stole a game in San Antonio. Maybe they don't do that this year. You know, can they not win both of those home games against the the Rockets and and Thunder? Um, that's probably a question. But I do also recall them losing a home game to the L.A. Lakers. Yep. Um, you know, I think they lost. Um, I think they lost at home to um, to the Pelicans as well. Maybe I think they split with the Pelicans. So. I don't know. I, I think I'll, I'll. I think they'll be kind of similar. Um, but in terms of man, part of me wants to say that's tough to, to be five hundred against the West, but. Screw it. I'll say, I'll say over. I'm going to be, I'm going to be, for some reason, I'm going to be an optimist on this one, which I I don't know. I feel like this is probably inconsistent with my other, my other guesses, but I'm going to say over just because again, I don't think, I feel people maybe are overstating how much the West has changed from, from year to year in terms of overall strength.
1: Give me the over. Um, I look at some of those teams and I think there's some wins to be had. Um, I think the wet, the bottom of the West is bad, um, and I think that's something that people don't really talk about. Um, so I'll take the over. It might just be barely, um, but I'm feeling okay uh, with that one. Let's move to uh, this. This is, this is going to be our final one, Frank. Uh, I think we've both hinted at how we feel about it. Um, but the number in Vegas this season for wins for the Milwaukee Bucks is at 47 and a half. Are you taking
0: the over or the under? I've been saying under all preseason, and I said it when we talked about it a little while ago when they first came out. I said it on Nate Duncan's podcast. I said 45 or 46 wins. I'm going to stick with that. I don't think... You know, again in the preseason, you know the Bucks haven't really been full strength thus far. We only saw Giannis for one game. We're only going to see Thon tomorrow, um, or sorry, Friday. We're recording this Thursday, and you'll probably won't hear this till next week. So, I don't think I've seen enough to really feel any differently than I did at the beginning of the preseason. So I'm going to stick with my under. Maybe the more interesting question is for you, Eric. You had them as a slight over previously. Has anything? Have you changed your mind? Have you gone into your Fortress of Solitude and Reconsidered, you're over. Where are you at right now?
1: I'm still over Um, and and I think the big thing for me is I talked in one of our first segments of this Over Under about Giannis finishing top three for an MVP, and I think that's going to be the case, and I think you're going to see, I don't think they're they're going to be both top ten in offense and defense, Um, but I do think they will be top ten in offense, maybe just slightly, but I, I think they'll get there just through... Giannis's sheer brilliance, um, and I think they have enough weapons around. Them. They can space the floor a little bit better this year with more minutes from Thon and Chris being there the whole time, and Tony Snell. Um, so I'm I'm going to say over. I don't know if they're a 50 win team, so I might be in the 40. Eight forty nine range, um, but I'm going to take the over and say that the Milwaukee Bucks make a jump this season because of Giannis's brilliant season, and they will win forty eight to forty nine games.
0: I'll take it. Okay, I'm not going to bet on it, but I'll definitely be happy if it happens. So, and and I don't think I'm not that far off either. I think Giannis is going to have a monster year. You know, maybe splitting hairs a little bit as to whether or not he's a top five or a top three MVP candidate. But um, like you said, I mean that that I think we probably still understate how much Giannis can still improve and how much that could still mean for the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, and yeah, uh, this, that's a fun, that's a, those are a couple fun statements to come out of my mouth. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll <laughs> realize them very soon. It's particularly fun when Giannis averaged
1: 22.9 points, 8.8 rebounds, 5.4 assists, 1.6 steals and 1.9 blocks last, last game or last season per game. Like, if we can still say that we think he can improve that's a pretty special player you're talking about so um it'll be interesting to keep an eye on these throughout the season um Hopefully we've ran through all of these. Hopefully you guys are listening to this uh, on Monday or Tuesday. Um, if you have any more that you want us to cover, um, if there's any number that really sticks out to you, um, tweet it to us. I'm sure we'll we'll have some time next week before we hit the onslaught of games. Um, maybe as we, as we get ready to preview the game on Wednesday, uh, maybe we could do a couple more over unders if you guys have numbers for us uh tweet those to us and maybe we'll try to hit some of those uh before we get into the regular season because it's going to be a grind next week because wednesday friday saturday um is the game schedule for the bucks so we'll, we will have a bunch of
0: podcasts to record
1: and actual nba basketball to talk about frank and that sounds so so good
0: i'm excited it's almost here it's almost here eric oh my god i'm so happy
1: um all right that's gonna be it for us on On bucks that was frank man i'm eric name this has been Locked On bucks we'll talk to you later